This copyrighted podcast is presented by the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council. The opinions and views shared by those of non-paid guests on the business of blueberries are those of our guests and do not represent the views, positions, or policies of the USHBC. The blueberry industry is like no other, passionate, resilient, and innovative. This podcast is your source for the latest information on the management, markets, research, and technology related to blueberry production. This is the business of blueberries. Here's your host, president of the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council, Casey Cronquist. Welcome back to another episode of The Business of Blueberries, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to the blueberry industry. Now, one of the highlights from our blueberry convention back in February was getting together and showcasing all the new technologies being developed for blueberry growers. But I wondered, what do the growers really think of all this? What are they excited about? What are they skeptical of? What's working? What's not working? When it hits the realities of our actual blueberry field. So to answer those questions, I've invited two of our blueberry growers to join me today, who are also members of the USHBC Berry Smart Technology Task Force. Paul McCree of McCree Brothers Blueberry Farms, who chairs the task force, and Noel Sakuma of Sakuma Brothers. Paul and Noel, thank you for both joining me on The Business of Blueberries. Thanks for uh, inviting us on. Um... It's actually good to be back. Things change so much and so quick, so it's fun to kind of come back every year. So, Yeah, well, and I appreciate both of your leadership role on the task force and the focus that we have on technology. In fact, it's interesting because the podcast itself I mean, it actually was uh, born out of the need to be able to share what technology is available during that period of time where either the task force couldn't get together. And mo- more notably, we weren't able to hold our tech and innovation session for USHBC. And so we had to be thinking about new ways to share what was happening in Blueberries for technology and the podcast was born. So what was born out of tech really has gone on to become the probably the most popular communication tool the USHBC has, which is the business of blueberries. So it's great to have you both on. And Paul, I thought I'd start with you as chair of the Berry Smart Technology Task Force, you know, just sharing a little bit about how you see this task force's uh, charge in the industry, what it's responsible for, and that group that you lead now. Yeah, the task force we came up with morphed from another committee called the Machine Harvesting Committee. Then we came into be the Tech Committee, and it just keeps growing and growing because every time we sit down and talk about it, something else gets added to it. I mean, when we talk to the Berry Smart program, you could start saying, okay, we're looking at pollination. And next thing you know, pollination turns into nutrition. Then nutrition turns into something else. I mean, it just keeps going on and on and on. So trying to make soil health and pollination and all these these other things we're talking about better and better as we go along. Well, I certainly appreciate how the Berry Smart platform has helped to you know, kind of recognize the different disciplines of what it means to be very smart, because you do have the sustainability piece, you do have the food safety piece, uh, you do have what is kind of the tried and true tech and innovation piece that we're going to talk about today. Uh, That way, you don't find yourself bouncing from different disciplines and different disciplines and different disciplines. But in the end, you know, each of these task force come together to create a platform that helps our industry. And the tech piece is just so important. So I thought, you know, I know, Paul, you're passionate about the subject, you know, there at McCree Brothers, the technology you've adopted over the years. I thought we could spend some time just talking about your experience in this space, both in the past and things that you are constantly looking at to improve your op- operations there. 
<clears throat> one of the newest things we're using is automated irrigation. And the automated irrigation has made our plant health better. We were able to cut back on irrigation water usage and also give our plants more or less water as needed. Also, what we're really proud of is our packing facility and all the technology we have here with soft sorting and infrared sorting. This all adopted over the time because of labor shortages. So little by little, we're moving forward. I think there's a lot more we can do. Uh, we just need a little bit more space in our packing facility to be able to do that. And that's going to come about as years go on now. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited about what we're doing and what we're seeing. I think in the future, it'll really help us with a better product. Well, I know I've had a chance to see some of that on your farm. And, and of course, you've got a couple big pieces of equipment out there that uh, run off GPS. And, and so I, I'm always impressed with what new tools and pieces of equipment that you have to share every time I go out there. It seems like it's always something there at McCree Brothers. But no, I want to ask you the same question, you know, for the audience who may not realize that you've made a bit of a career change since the last time we spoke with you, I thought maybe you could tell a little bit more about what's happening, where you're at, and tell us a little bit about your history with just technologies generally, you know, kind of regardless of where you're, where you're focused. Yeah, I just moved back to Sakuma Brothers as the agronomy manager this season. So I'm really excited to get more involved with all this technology. We at Sakuma Brothers actually have a very smart field that um, we've been doing a lot of testing this year on that we're really excited about. One of the primary areas of focus this year has actually been on pollination. And we've been able to see the BYs and Bloom X, both of those companies, on our farm this year. And with that, we're seeing some pretty interesting results. The Bloom X is a new technology that's really fascinating. Basically, you just push it down the row and it has arms that vibrate the bushes. And it's actually looking like there might be some good results. And I've heard from reliable sources that this has been something they've shown at least 10% increased yields in a replicated manner. And so, you know, this is a fascinating one because unlike most pollination, tools, it is hard to actually uh, scientifically measure. But with this one, you can turn it on, turn it off and replicate it. So far on our trials, it actually is looking like, you know, we might be 10, 15% higher yields with this product. So we need to kind of wait to see and analyze the data a little bit more, but it's really encouraging stuff. Overall, though, there is a lot of innovation in pollination. Last year, I uh, worked very closely with Copert with their bumblebees. I wasn't able to work with them this year, but I'm really excited to kind of see where those could have a place within the pollination. There is a bee flow that was present in San Diego, and I've communicated with them pretty regularly, and I want to get something started with them next year, which they feed bees in a specific way to actually attract the bees to the blueberry bush and feed them in a way that actually uh, increases their activity. And then bee-wise, we had a couple of those bee homes in our field, and it was really amazing to see these large 24-hive homes that really you could tell that the activity was higher. They were able to go out in the field earlier and stay out later. And the health of the hives, I believe, were really healthy. 
The harder one about that one is just how do you quantify how much it's doing on a small farm trial. It's really something that I really think that they need to work with with all of our current bee companies and pollinating companies to try to implement that on their side. But I'm very excited about the technology overall. Well, maybe we start here in pollination, just talking about that as far as uh, you know, technology. I'm sure we want to talk a little bit about uh, some of the other pieces of equipment that either of you are familiar with wanting to discuss or innovations that you saw down in San Diego that would be worth bringing to the audience's attention here. But Noel, you're talking about what we referred to as bees, bots, and blueberries, uh, which was a very smart field day there at Sakuma Brothers, where we invited folks around the region to come participate in a day focused on pollination. And I know we're going to be talking a lot about that in terms of, you know, sharing the results of this back in Georgia when we're down there for uh, our summit in Savannah. So certainly encourage people to get the 411 and be there for hearing more about the details here. But it is interesting to hear you say just from your own perspective, being a volunteer to set up a place where, you know, the industry can learn from what your experience has been this year with the pollination technology. And what, what was fascinating from what I heard is a little bit like you're describing is just what old technology this has been in terms of hives, bees, and of course, you know, a lot of the bee health issues are, are what driving some of this technology and trying to help address some of those issues with pollinators. But that's also bringing this like tech to this space that hasn't really been touched in a long, long time. And I think I want to bring this back later to talk about what needs we have in tech that needs to be improved for the blueberry industry. But just thinking about how hives have moved around forever to be pollinators for crops as being the basis of that technology. But man, the stuff that I was seeing that you guys were looking at, those companies that you're mentioning, there's just a lot of movement in that space that seems really positive for what uh, what we need as farms, but obviously what the pollinators need for their own bee health. So maybe you could talk a little bit about what you saw that day and, and how you see that technology unfolding. Yeah, as far as technologies and uh, groups of people kind of coming together to make positive change for our industry, I would say the pollination category is doing a very good job at seeing the problems that are here and kind of trying to address them. I think that all of the companies that I listed prior are all coming at it from a slightly different angle. And I think that overall, this has a chance of really increasing bee health and increasing yield. The main thing is how do you get it into people's hands? And I think that Bee wise could be a game changer for how we're doing this, but we really need to encourage the implementation and uptake of the technology and trying to, you know, put more of the corporate quads in more fields to really actually get some data if they improve yields. I think bee flow is one of the ones that is really exciting. We all know that when bees go out into the field, they often don't stop at blueberries. They often find something else to harvest. And so if there's a way for the bees to be attracted specifically to the blueberries, that could be a game changer. And, you know, the thing that I was asking some of the people at the event was, would you guys be willing to work together? There's no reason why you couldn't have a bee wise and a bee flow project together to kind of get the big box and the all of the uh, technology to attract the bees to the blueberries and feed them the right things to work together. So 
you know, I think that we really need to figure out how to get them into fields and get people to get firsthand access to the technology and to get researchers more involved with this whole project. Lisa DeVetter has been working with us on a couple of these projects, and she is doing a great job of actually putting numbers and, you know, actual research information into this, because without scientific research, it's hard to quantify a lot of this. Well, we have a lot more to cover here, but it's time for our crop report. This is a busy time of year, and we have several states joining us each week to talk about the progress in their crops. So here, once again, is your blueberry crop report. It's time for your blueberry crop report, an update on crop conditions and markets from important blueberry growing areas. Today, you'll hear from TJ Hafner in Oregon, Jason Smith in British Columbia, and Brody Schropp in Michigan. This was recorded on August 2nd, 2023. This is TJ Hafner doing the crop report for Oregon. Temps this tax week were warm in the mid to upper 80s. This week is more of the same. Really great weather for harvest. Traper and top shelf is pretty much done with the exception of a few cleanup passes. Harvest of Blue Ribbon, Calypso, Legacy is underway. Last call is probably going to be starting next week. Sizing is off in most all varieties. The two exceptions to this are Calypso and, and top shelf, where the, the sizing seems pretty good this year. I think the yield will be average in those varieties. Late season varieties like Last Call and Aurora, we're still evaluating. With the issues we've been hearing out of Peru about their season being delayed, this may be an opportunity for us to get more of our late season fruit into the fresh market than what it's been the last few years. I'm pretty confident that we're not going to meet that 165 million pounds that we have projected, but also not ready to, to make a revised projection until we're a little, a little better visibility of how the mid to late season varieties will shape up. If I had to take a stab at it right now, though, I would say probably 10 to 15 percent off of those projections. Hi, it's uh, Jason Smith from uh, British Columbia, and uh, we've, like Oregon, been experiencing some fairly favorable weather. We're going to warm up this week over the weekend into the low 30, 32, depending on where you are. Humidity is high, but uh, Pests and diseases don't seem to be an issue. I haven't heard too much comment about big problems with SWD or we've been pretty dry, so not many comments about disease. Harvest is progressing. Uh, Duke is pretty much wrapped up. Uh, Folks are harvesting uh, their draper. I imagine top shelf of a small trial planting and uh, it's a little bit early on them, but yeah, again, same as TJ, like the, the size on the top shelf seems good. I don't have any draper, but the size on the Valor is very good as well. But uh, Calypso looks okay, but we're a ways away from Calypso. Blue crops being harvested, later season stuff is a ways away, although it is showing some color. Things are progressing, and the number I threw out 120 last week, I did comment that that's a bit high, like it might be high, or it is on the high end. And I'm hearing more comments from people that uh, it's, yeah, you can leave it at 120, but we're not going to do 120. So reaching out over the next week to try and get some more updated information to see if 
how much has changed if things have changed. Like, I, I mean, I'm hearing 110. I've heard as low as 95 from people, but I don't think it's that low because the late season stuff looks pretty decent at this point. So um, I, I think we'll be in that 110 to 120, but it's still a bit too early to tell for sure. So I'm going to wait a little bit to revise my number of 120. And with that, that is my crop report for today. This is uh, Brody Schropp out of Michigan. Uh, we're experiencing pretty good weather for harvesting as we're kind of into the peak of our season. Uh, a lot of guys are still picking on, on later picks of blue crop into our mid-late seasons with Liberty and Legacy and, and Draper. And uh, Elliot's are right on the horizon with the, us moving into there maybe by the end of the week and into early next week. Uh, SWD pressure has been higher than last year, but we're staying vigilant on top of our sprays. And uh, uh, some people are even getting in their, their predominantly processed varieties of, of Ruble and Jersey. So, so far, so good. And, and I think there's a lot of optimism about the 23 crop. Quality for most has been looking pretty good. Uh, I think it's challenging for some as we hit in those later later picks of blue crop. But I think if you compared it, you know, over the last couple of years, that it's meeting a lot of growers' expectation. I am pleasantly surprised when it comes to sizing of, of their our actual berry size, especially since we've had that drought during the spring. But it seems like we were pretty resilient through it and, and berry size has stayed strong. I think maybe we would have a statistical ding on it from, from year after year, but I think it's it's definitely exceeded my expectations. Uh, in terms of the crop, I think that we're we're much higher than last year in terms of fresh production and, and processed production. I think that mainly due due to more successful pollination season and and uh resiliency through that through that drought with, with that drought we also have had less anthracnose pressure and and has had an advantageous effect on our quality i think that there's a perception of potentially a weaker process market which may not like motivate some people to, to move past some predominantly processed fields which we have quite a bit of in michigan between ruble and jersey but uh, i would think our crop potential is is higher than last year i think last year was 65 million so i would think that if we did uh, 75 million this year is, would, would be a realistic number. That's what I got from Michigan. Thank you. Well, thanks so much to our busy growers and colleagues who take time to participate in these reports. As a reminder, you can go to ushbc.org forward slash data to find our data and insight center to see more data of what's happening in the blueberry industry. Well, let's talk a little bit about what we saw in San Diego back in February. Again, one of the things that we're, we're doing differently is rather than having the tech symposium every other year, the convention now in the spring is largely helping bring together best we can companies, technologies, you know, things that we can put on Blueberry Lane for growers to see firsthand. And we had some, we had some interesting opportunities uh, this last time, some debuts. I know this was when the, the neon came out. That's what we're hoping for is we're hoping that, you know, companies around the country will see the convention as a great place to meet with growers directly, for growers to see those companies and meet with them directly. And of course, you know, what we saw come out of convention was a relationship with the borough going into the Very Smart Field Projects. Uh, Steve's working closely with them and the borough's been doing a great job with another part of that project, helping us do a yield estimation project that's a part of that platform. So there's a lot of good synergy coming out of San Diego, but it's been a few months now. Uh, I want to ask you both, you know, maybe what stood out to you about the technologies that were on display there? Well, I, we, um, we contacted Tomer and we actually purchased a Neon to go along with our Cato's that we're using 
to enhance our machine harvest fresh and fortunate to be able to see all that. I mean, it's a great platform. We got done what we needed to get done with clustering, but I think there's so many things we could add to that platform. More IR, more cameras. I think we can really get that to be a very efficient machine for machine harvest fresh blueberries. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, the Neon being debuted there, uh, I know a number of people were taking a good look at that. If not, uh, they only had so many built for this season. So it's great to hear that you grabbed one. And also your thoughts on things that you saw in San Diego that stood out to you tech-wise. The technology that is inevitable that I'm extremely excited about is everything to do with Gus and automated spraying. The idea of this is how, how do you get people to see it? How do you get people to you know, get excited about it when you kind of just see a little promo at an event? I'm eager to see it in real life. The weed activated autonomous sprayer, you know, that to me is definitely going to be the future of spraying. Being able to see it in person is really exciting. But even as plugged in as I am, I haven't been able to see it go in first person or how it would go down a blueberry row, how it really would affect day-to-day life. And so it's something that I'm excited about, but I haven't seen it in real life. With the burrow, I was able to see it with the very smart cameras on top of it. And it was really exciting to see the ability of that to go up and down the row automatically. It's very interesting when you look at the technology, potential limitations, but the ability for it to go up and down every single row to take pictures and the potential harvest help that that could be. But the fact is that it was able to go up and down most of my rows with a full Duke harvest without knocking off any fruit. And so it was a really cool demo in real life on my field. So I'm very excited about what potential that has to assist in harvest or just in taking data like with the Smart Orchard system. Yeah, that's going to be fascinating. Again, credit to the task force. I'm always amazed, like Steve connected with Burrow at the convention. The next thing you know, we've got the Burrow lined out instead of the uh, the quad, the four-wheeler that he was using to to do the same thing. You know, it allowed the industry to trial a piece of equipment while also being a part plugged into the very smart platform. And, and to see that thing go down the row and doing what it's doing there on your farm, uh, Noel, is really impressive. It's a, it's a credit to this group who, you know, had been building these relationships with these tech companies. And now these tech companies are, are participating in a platform that, that will deliver on, you know, test and learns. And uh, so uh, really impressive to see maybe what other companies might see the Very Smart platform and the Very Smart field projects as being a place for them to test their technology. But, you know, when you look at, at the convention too, there was what was there and some of the ones that we just talked about, but then there were things that weren't there. And I think maybe that strikes a little bit at, at you know, some of the conversation for the show today about what technology wasn't there or what technology are you guys still looking for as growers that you would like to see either improved or established or where does investment need to go next? I mean, like you described, Noel, about the investment you're seeing in the pollination category for lots of reasons. What do blueberry growers need to see? Where do we want to see investment made in the area of innovation going forward? So on the harvest side, the Oxbow Fresh Kit to me, is the gold standard. It is the one that I'm very happy that Sakuma's has the fresh kit, uh, as did Oregonberry Packing. So I'm able to kind of see it in two different sites, and I'm very excited about 
the uh, quality fruit coming off of it. I have heard that Latau is coming out with one, and I'm really excited to see what they are going to put out. But both of those, I think, are the essential piece of technology that people should be using if they're going fresh with their fruit. However, the question is, what's next? Is there a way to increase the technology, increase the quality of fruit that it's harvesting beyond what we're seeing right now? And I hope that we get more of the industry to pick up the technology and use it because it is real life improvements from what we have had in the past. But most of the technology has been around for a few years. So I'm, I'm really curious kind of what, what are the next steps? You know, we can all imagine what it might look like, but we really need to kind of see what is next for machine harvestability. Yeah. And, and maybe it's been a, a more than a few years, you know, a large part of what we see in the harvesters today are, are, you know, it's rather old technology, you know, minus the, the notable improvements of that initial innovation coming to life. Now you're, you're making changes on the margins, if you will. Um, but maybe the two of you could talk about like, what would be something completely different uh, that would be innovation in your minds from a harvester perspective? And, you know, again, thinking about it from a convention or, or why companies come to display their new and latest and greatest, what would be competing with what is in order to realize a different technology in the future? I've seen where um, I think it's Washington State and Oregon State are working on a robotic handpicking for blackberries, and that's way out there. I mean, it's a, it actually showed like a human hand working on picking a blackberry, which there's not much softer than a blackberry or a strawberry, but for them to get something that is really the next step for fresh harvest for blackberries. I don't know if we'd ever have to go that far to a really mimic a hand harvest for blueberries. I still think there's got to be something out there that we can do to make it a lot softer on the, and gentler on the fruit. Because eventually this, this hand labor is going to go away. We had a little bit better labor this year, but I think that's an anomaly for New Jersey for this year, but sooner or later, it's going to be come down to variety. It's going to come down to the gentler harvesting and gentler handling uh, handling of the berries in the packing facility. Also, that's right. Yeah, Noel, back to you too on this. I mean, what what's your sense of envisioning what that that other technology could look like? That's vastly different than what we've been seeing over the years. Yeah, this is something that I've thought a lot about, and it's hard to imagine what isn't there right now. Uh, I've heard of companies that are trying to use air pressure, and you can imagine a scenario where, you know, whether it's air pressure cushioning the fruit as it's dropping or even knocking the fruit off. I've seen prototypes or even, I don't know if that, if any of that technology is out, but whether or not you can harvest in a softer way through something like air pressure or there are machines that I've seen that kind of vibrates at a one location, then you kind of shake the whole plant instead of beating the bushes. So the couple mechanisms would be is how do you get off the plant? And then how do you soft even further the drop? Those are kind of the two pieces that you're playing with, short of the potential future where you kind of have a robot that kind of picks it like a human. So really, those are the two mechanisms that you're playing with. Four or five years back, I was made aware of the fulcrum that was kind of trying to lean the bush over 
and harvest them and lower the drop on that method. I actually am not sure if that is in use heavily, but that was a technology that I've seen, but I haven't actually seen in person. So I, I've heard of quite a few different machines, but it's one of these things where we need to be able to get them any type of prototypes or early beta machines into fields so growers can actually see what they're capable of and we can start testing it. That was the most fascinating part about the Oxbow Fresh Kit is being able to actually compare it, the Fresh Kit to the non-Fresh Kit and see the true, you know, 10, 15% reduction in bruising. You know, that was the type of data that really changed my mind on this being a kind of a, a huge step forward. So now we kind of need to kind of figure out, okay, what's this next step after that? One of the big pieces we keep on looking at is, you know, how do you make sure you only pick the blue fruit? There's no way to get only 100% blue fruit, but how do you increase the percentage of blue fruit and reduce the percentage of green fruit? These are kind of questions that, you know, there's a, a lot of money to be made on the other side if you make an incremental step in both how you pick and pick quality that I think that the industry needs to really focus in on. Well, that's interesting. I mean, I think about the barriers of what it takes to see innovation in any industry, specifically for the blueberry industry. So I thought maybe we could kind of land this plane on just discussion around where either of you would like to see more investment by, you know, universities, whether it's venture capital, but if, if, if you'd like to see chips go one direction or the other within our industry, I won't make you pick just one, because uh, I think it's all of the above all the time. We need new innovation in all these areas. But Noel, you know, what gets you excited about where investment might go for the future of blueberries? I'm really excited about where technology can change spraying and cultural practices. A lot of this technology is coming out in the wider agricultural world, but it's not necessarily focusing on small fruits. So when we see that companies like Gus creating a Gus Mini, that's the area that I'm really excited about. And the limitations that we have, you know, the rows are tight. There's a lot of potential damage you can do to the crop. Nobody really loves to be behind the wheel of a sprayer. So there's, there's a lot of innovation that can happen in that area that really can improve the berries industry as a whole. Yeah, absolutely. And Paul, your thoughts? I mean, where would you like to see if you could just wave a wand, time and attention spent? What are you hoping to see in the short term? Well, I think our robotic weed spraying, like Noel was talking about, needs to be improved. Uh, I think there's technology out there, but it hasn't been adapted yet to small fruits and berries. And I think that's something we can look at. And in the packing facility, I, I think there's probably a lot of robotic things out there that we could be using. We're just not aware of it. And I think it could be space constraints too with a lot of packing facilities weren't designed for that years ago. We'll have to adapt to what, what we can use and be aware of what's out there that we can use in the future. Well, and I'm hoping to see more opportunities to encourage companies that are thinking about getting into the space with blueberries to consider the Berry Smart platform. I mean, we talked about that at the top of the episode, but just kind of wrap things up here. You guys are both leadership in that space representing that task force. Obviously, the two of you are always open to conversations about technology like this. And I would just think that, you know, you consider the conversations we had three years ago, some of these technologies that we were actually interviewing for, whether it was Monarch Tractor or the Burrow or 
you know, sitting down with our, our optical sorting companies. Uh, it just is amazing to see how that has evolved in conversation to become something of a very smart platform. And the field projects are a great example of that. We've got a number of companies who we first met at a almond conference now participating in the blueberry convention. And so credit to the industry, credit to your leadership, uh, both of you for pushing this uh, to be a conversation within the industry, because if not you, then who? And I just think uh, this has been a, a great example of where uh, we don't have direct influence maybe on where certain companies put their investment, but we can certainly come around them with opportunities to invest in the blueberry industry. And so the Berry Smart platform seems to be a great place for that. And uh, I don't know if you have any final thoughts, Paul, on encouraging anybody who's listening out here to direct them your way, but that, that seems a great place for new tech to be able to reach out to Steve or yourself or to Noel and see how they can get involved with this. Yeah, it's, a, it's an amazing concept, the very smart. I mean, talking with Steve today, uh, like I said, we, we started to talk about one thing and the next thing you know, it just keeps going down the road because there's so many variables in the very smart initiative, like if you want to call it that. Anybody who wants to talk about tech, I'm here. I like it. I, I like to see this progress. I mean, you know, we've been in business 70 years here in New Jersey and we came from the, the cellophane and rubber band packing to where we're at now. It's a seen a lot of different things happening. We're just keep improving. And I want the industry to keep improving. There's a, a, a lot of berries out there to, to be sold. And um, we have to make a high quality presentation to the customer. And I think uh, the only way to do it is through technology. Amen. Well, and Noel, your thoughts before we let you go on, you know, where you see opportunity or, you know, how you see this Berry Smart platform helping facilitate opportunity. Yeah, I, I think that the data that Steve Mantle's group is gathering, I think has a, an ability to really change how we make decisions on the farm level. And I really think that that is, has a lot of potential for improving the decisions we make on the farm level. And I think that being able to actually see these technologies in real life, that we see you know, glimpses of at the events in the spring and the fall, I think is crucial for any of us to make a decision of what technology to really invest into, because it's hard to imagine spending, you know, the amount of money that some of these technologies will cost without seeing them in person or from seeing a trial of it in a field and, you know, seeing the results of that trial. So I'm really excited to be involved with this. And I think there's a lot of good work that can be done for the whole industry. Well. It's been great, you guys. I appreciate your time today. I appreciate your leadership and, uh, and look forward to seeing you both in Savannah and, of course, getting together there for the Very Smart Report. So that's it for episode 144. And uh, certainly encourage our audience today, if you're wanting to hear more about a certain technology from either the Tech Task Force or to be considered for a Very Smart Field testing or test and learn, uh, we'd love to hear from you. It would be great to get a lot of engagement going into our event in Savannah. So you'll be able to see some of the things that we talked about today being reported on, but a great opportunity to learn more as a grower there in Savannah. So that's it for today. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week with more innovation, collaboration, family and hard work right here on the Business of Blueberries. Mm-hmm.